Say good morning. Morning. Y'all. If you was up north as Mason Dixon line, if they spoke at all, they'd say you skies. Yeah. <clears throat> Book of Hebrews, sixth chapter. <clears throat> Letter to the Hebrew children. Last Sunday, we got in a little discussion, Bruce and I, about these verses we're going to cover today, some of them. And I said that the Father and the Son had made a covenant together which was the most important part of all the scripture. The covenant between the Father and the Son. You understand the covenant doesn't necessarily have to be a written out document. It can be an understanding between the two parties and it stands sure in the Father. In the sixth chapter, in verse 13, and he said, and for everyone that, I've got to, got to get over here and write one here. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit it. So, what, what chapter you in? I'm in the sixth chapter. What, what verse was it? Of, in, I started off in verse one. We were on six minutes. That's all right. We're going to drop down then to verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, <clears throat> because he swore by no greater, he swore by himself. You can't get any higher than that. Said, saying, surely... Blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now the enduring is the important part here, to do the will of the Father. For men verily swear by the greater, an oath for a confirmation is to them an end of all strife wherein God willing more abundantly to show under their heirs a promise, the immutability of the counsel, of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation 
<clears throat> who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest after the order of Melchizedek, one that had no beginning and no end. That's one of the things we was discussing last Sunday was wrap your mind around that. No beginning and no end. Back in Genesis 14th chapter, we see Abram come up on the scene and Melchizedek was high priest of God. He's already there. Wasn't any coming forth. He was already. Nothing new, absolutely nothing new under the sun concerning him. Then in chapter 17 then, uh, seven then said, For this Melchizedek, kin of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. I thought on that sometime back, come from the slaughtering of kings, there was plenty unrighteousness here. They just all wanted to fight. You ever look back in old history and read of some, they just roamed around wanting to fight, and over in the uh, Genesis, I believe he said, in that time when they done it, they just, every year they had to go fight, go do something. It was the most unruly time and place, and two, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part, of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is the king of peace. So he gave his tithes unto him. Unto the most high. In verse 3 said, without father, without mother without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life. But Adak unto the Son of God abided the priest, continually talking about Jesus Christ, is our high priest. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. He didn't want his people to have anybody give to the high priest the spoils that come. In the book of Matthew, the third chapter, <clears throat> In 
I was thinking on the way down here this morning, I think pretty good when I'm by myself in the car <laughs> going somewhere. I got thinking how, how privileged we are to have a place to come and worship. And the liberty we have to come, it's a different liberty than what is spiritual, but it is a liberty. We have the privilege to get up in the morning and come here. If we so desire that uh, we might worship our Lord. In the book of Matthew, third chapter and thirteenth verse, said, Then come at Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou unto me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. <clears throat> then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighted upon him. <clears throat> and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That was to be the high priest of the church but it's all wrapped up in this one thing this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased he came to do the will of the father and the will of the father was to be holy keeping law to the last letter of it fulfilling it completely that he might pay our sin debt. And he done that willingly. We see quite a few times in the scripture where if somebody was doing something, doing it willingly. If you're not doing it willingly, it, wasn't, it isn't worth doing. Even coming here this morning, if you didn't do it willingly, it's not worth doing. But the example is set in the Lord Jesus Christ that he come. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well. The only one. His only begotten son. He had sent to save a people and to keep the promise he made to Abraham. I'm going to make him a high priest. After order of Melchizedek, it has no beginning and no end. He's eternal forever and ever. In the book of the Psalms, hadn't been too long we were here, I believe. Second chapter of the book of Psalms. <clears throat> 
in verse 6 says, Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they were. No, that isn't where I want to be. In verse 3, And many people shall go and say, And come and let us go up to the mountain. I'm still in the wrong place. <laughs> And got over in the book of Isaiah. Well, like yeah, can't hardly stay out of there. Second Psalm. <clears throat> and the people raised in verse 6 said, Yet. Even though they did rage, why do the heathen rage and imagine a vain thing they do? But yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion, and I will declare the decree. Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron and thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now therefore, O ye kings. So we have a high king. All ye kings, be instructed ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish from away when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him, our high priest. After the order of Melchizedek, and like I said before, you can't already wrap your mind around that. No beginning and no end. Just hard to imagine such a thing. Back before there was even an earth and all the things that we see now. Back in before the beginning, he was. There wasn't any beginning with him or no end with him evermore eternal. In the book of Isaiah, then we'll get there. The 61st chapter. one he said in the spirit if Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek he has sent me to bind up the broken hearted to proclaim liberty this is a whole different liberty than what I was speaking of a while ago it's a liberty to worship 
no longer bound by the things of this world, liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So because the Lord has sent his son, the male Chesedek, the high priest, he came to preach unto them that was bound. Held. Men are held. No liberty. That's the reason a man can't just decide to believe. He's not at liberty to do so. He's bound in chains, held under that. He can't see a high priest. The high priest cannot intercede for him either unless he be anointed and called of the Lord to come, come forth. The anointing. But the Lord hath anointed him, Jesus Christ, to be the head of all things to the church the acceptable year of the Lord. I think it somewhat looks back at the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, when, when it's complete and all things made new again, roll back. And have you ever studied that and look at it a little bit? It wouldn't be so nice if everything, just all the debts would be forgiven and everybody go back to their own place and be at peace with one another. Year of Jubilee, I think it's somewhat of what it looks uh, speaking of here also. In the 63rd chapter then. <clears throat> verse 1. said, Who is this that cometh from Edom and with dyed garments from both Basra this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, that I speak, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel and thy garments like him that treaded in the winepress, in the wine fat? For I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. That's the reason the father made a covenant with the son. There wasn't any going to stand with him. None. Not one. Not one soul. There was none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all my raiment. 
for the day of vengeance is in the heart and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked and there was none to help, not one. And I wondered, that's kind of a strange statement. I wondered for him. Yeah, I wondered. That there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought me salvation unto me, and my fury is upheld me. It upheld me, and I will tear down the people in mine anger and make them drunk in my fury. And I will bring down their strength to the earth. In verse 7, the tone changes again. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindness. For he said, for he said, Surely they are my people. Keep in mind now he swore by himself. That's the surety of it. Children that will not lie. So he was, was their Savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved him. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He bare them and carried them all the days of old. It's Israel, the true Israel of God. We say today the church. That's what the Lord gave himself for. Lay down his life for the church. I, I sometimes wonder about this personal Savior stuff. It is personal. I don't want to carry that too far. I want to back off because he's gave himself for the church, one body, to unite it to himself and to the Father. And Father hath given it unto the Son and made him high priest over all of it. In Psalms, in the book of Isaiah, again, the 40th chapter, I believe. No, I'm only going to Psalm. Psalm, the 40th chapter. <clears throat> we can't all stay out of Psalms either, can we? In verse 5, I guess. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. There, there again, there's another word for the Lord. He, he didn't do any thinking now. Because <laughs> it's kind of a strange word here, but it's so we can understand. 
if thoughts which are to usward they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee if i would declare and speak of them they're more than they can be numbered sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire thine ears hast thou opened burnt offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required then said i lo i come in the volume of the book it is written of me i delight to do thy will O my god yea thy law is within in my heart i have preached righteousness in the great congregation lo i have not refrained my lips O lord thou knowest I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from a great congregation. He's still talking about the church. You understand the assembly. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Now he seems to have gone back in the person of the psalmist down let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me for innumerable evils have come past me about mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so i'm not able to look up there are more than the hairs of mine head therefore my heart faileth be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And that certainly ought to be our prayer this morning. That we call upon the Lord to help us. We're always calling, aren't we? Every day we have need. We're needy people. We, we live in a, a area that's it's pretty dry as far as spiritual things are concerned. Come by the church up on the corner, if you call it that. Uh, they all out there waving. I want to roll my window down, put my arm out there and wave for them. Come on, follow me. <clears throat> You're not going to save people by having a soup kitchen. You got to preach the gospel. That's where salvation is, is in the gospel, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the high priest. We, we have to have a high priest that go before the Father and plead our cause, an intercessor, the priest. He must be anointed. That's, that's another thing. We don't have much anointing nowadays. They don't wait on the anointing is what I'm saying. Let's pick out a guy. Get, get a man what they call saved, and first thing you want to do is give him Sunday school clay when he has need to be teach, taught so he can teach. But we must wait upon the anointing. 
in the book of Isaiah again, 45th chapter. <clears throat> verse 20 assemble yourselves and come and draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations they have no knowledge that set up the wood at the graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save Tell ye, and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient times? Melchizedek. Who hath told it from that time? How have I not, how have, have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, all ye be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God. And there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear not only is he saying it but the people also are going to say the same thing surely shall one say in the Lord have I righteousness and strength even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. And in the Lord all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. What do we glory in this morning? Where is our glory? It must be in the Lord of glory. The Lord that had no beginning and no end. Our high priest. Isn't it, isn't it amazing how he put all these things together? That he had sent a high priest. And that he had laid down his life to teach his people. Suffered all the things that Christ suffered even to the cross. And, and this is a more miraculous thing, is that he knew from the very beginning that he is going to suffer these things for his church. That he might be all in all, that he might be the head of all things to the church. So we have liberty in the Lord to worship. That's another amazing thing. If you're not liberated to worship, there's no way you can worship. None at all. You, you'd be 
a begrudge in your little bit of time that you come. Be complaining. That's, that's the same thing that happened to Israel, though, by the way. It's just too hard for them to go down to Jerusalem. That would make it easier. Set up the little church here and there and yonder. Spread it out so they don't have to go to much effort. I said if you don't do it willingly, when they was building the temple, what did it say? That when they talked to the people about bringing the stuff, they said they brought it in willingly. So much so that they had too much. And the hard started having to tell them, don't bring any more. We've got enough. But it would be good if people could come at least and honor our Lord willingly, not begrudging, not provoking to anger. The whole land would do good. We'd be fed if we'd worship him in spirit and in truth. Seeing him as almighty Melchizedek, the high priest that goes before the throne of mercy and pleads for you and I even daily.